0: Welcome to the open house podcast with James Tatum. This podcast is about conversations that we have in the gym. Everything from training methods, technique, massage, and other odd topics that come up. So today we got George Everett, A- geez. I need to get <laughs> used to saying both you guys' names. Not I'm messing that up. George Everett and Tyree Harris.
1: It makes me feel a little better because I definitely screwed up George's name when I tried. So,
2: okay, it's not just me. Yeah, I think everyone messes it up. Even um, like when I'd get my name tapes made for the military, they would put a space between the A and the V. So Hmm. it'd be like, A for Like there was like a pause almost. Wow, all right. um, Yeah, so it's been messed up quite a few times. (laughs) Dang, we should be better than that though, you know.
0: We'll, uh, well, I'll practice. Uh, <laughs> Averitt, that doesn't even make sense. Like, why would that, like, that's like a McFadden type thing. Like, yeah. Mick,
2: you know, like, is that what they're thinking? I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Luckily, they got it right at um, the finals and American Open. i was surprised. That was, like, the first time anyone's ever got it right on the first try.
0: <laughs> nice. I, uh When I would go to like Pan Ams and stuff, they would say Tatum (laughs) instead of Tatum. This
1: is pretty funny. Yeah, They've Um, never messed up my name at a meet because I've had the exact same announcer for every national meet I've ever done. Which is just, what are the odds of that? But for universities, for AO series, for nationals, I always have the exact same person. So they never screw up my name.
0: You know what? I've screwed up your name before, Tyree. Um, (laughs) Okay. I was talking about it and I was like, oh, yeah. And I was talking, I think I was talking about you to somebody and I was like, Tyree. And they're like, Tyree, Tyree who? And I was like, Tyree Thor. And I was like, wait, that's not right.
1: (laughs) Uh, No, that was correct. I I think that was a great way. If you're
2: going to mess it up, that's the way to do it. Instagram names are a thing. I was going to say, if they don't know you, they know you now because they can follow you on Instagram. Yeah. There we go. Yeah,
1: there's been, um, a lot of, a lot of stuff in weightlifting, like these wonderful platform setups. Yeah.
0: So like, talk about like springing something on somebody in the last minute.
1: That's what Um, USAW does.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I wonder, like, I wonder the backstory on this because Phil Andrews no longer works at USA Weightlifting. And now they spring this on at, like, last minute. Like, I wonder, like, what the decision-making process, what is behind doing this? So, to give that little bit of a back- backstory, um, you know, weightlifting is uh, pretty boring to watch. And, you know, the Olympics want something that's a little bit more viewer-friendly. Uh, you know, it's fun to watch the Olympics, especially, like, the super heavyweights. But that's really the only ones that really get a lot of viewership is the super heavyweights because then they get titled like the world's strongest man, um, which might be a copyright now. Um, who knows? But uh, the way that they want to do this is they want to put the warm up platforms right next to the competition platform so that the crowd can see people warming up. And um I don't know, make it a little bit more viewer friendly. I think it's a cool idea. Um
2: but there's definitely some drawbacks. Uh what do you guys think? Yeah, I think I'm a fan of it, honestly. Um I feel like as a weightlifter who's at the national level, being the top what, what is the percent? What did you say, Tyree's last off six like, percent? Yeah,
1: top six ish, yeah.
2: Well let's say top six percent or maybe even less that you should be able to adapt and perform in that situation and then by the time if you get used to competing like this by the time you go to an international competition it's going to be nothing like your mentality is going to be on point no one's going to be able to shake you there's going to be nothing really getting in your way i i don't think it's going to well I mean I say that there are people that are going to be bothered by it it's not
1: going to bother me i don't think it's a valid excuse for missing lifts or my warm up was thrown off i don't think any of that is true but i i don't like it because now It's not just about the platform. We already run multiple platforms at these meets. So everybody in the crowd is watching multiple platforms at once. But now you're watching multiple platforms and you're just watching the training hall. Nobody gives a damn about the first the guys who are taking the first 15 attempts in a session. Nobody cares about those guys now because they're not going to win and they're not going to watch it because they're going to watch the guys in the back warming up the whole time. So now the person on the stage is really irrelevant.
0: Well, does anybody watch them anyway or do they just show up later or do they just sit on their phones and not interact? Mm. That's the, that's the question. I don't know. I think it's just like, um, you, you definitely have certain athlete types that are just like viewer friendly, whether they're at the top or at the bottom of the session. Um, and people will watch them just because of, you know, antics or style or um, whatever and I think this I don't know I do like the idea Um, I think it's a little weird that they put it like first time trying it out at nationals Um, and then I thought like oh they should have just done this at the American Open and then I realized that the American Open people. is huge and yeah. it's like this money grab meet now and that if something goes wrong It's really gonna go wrong. So Nationals is actually the smallest meet that they can unveil this at, which is crazy.
2: Well, I was gonna say, I think Nationals would be a good, a good chance for them to try it too. Maybe just announcing a little bit earlier because of the fact that it's the best lifters instead of maybe lifters going out for the first time on a platform that big. And plus if your best lifters can go out there and like show that it works and set the standard, then everyone else would be more inclined to follow it later. I I I don't like
1: it from a viewing like as a spectator, I don't think I would like it. As much as I like being in the warm up room and watching people warm up, as a spectator, I wouldn't like it. Cause I'd rather watch the lifter on the platform and look at the board and read the board and think like, oh I guess that it kept some some suspense. Like you don't know if the guy in the back is sitting there missing all of his warm up attempts, but you see, oh, he just bumped up his warm up. Well, think about two, like
2: UFC fighting. No one really knows the point scoring for UFC fighting. So, like, no one knows how much of a takedown. Like, your average UFC watcher is not going to be like, oh, the takedown's worth this many points or yeah. a jab is this many points. They're just worried about the big hits and the guy getting slammed on the platform or on the mat. So, it'd be the mm-hmm. same thing essentially for weightlifting. They're just trying to see heavy weights get lifted. The scoreboard is kind of irrelevant unless you're someone who's actually maybe competing against these athletes or if you're trying to, like, Make if you're like weightlifting house, maybe, and you have like a blog or a podcast or like a website that's dictated to like keeping athletes, like basically keeping track of their records,
0: yeah. And that's the thing, Tyree. You understand the scoreboard, um, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it more viewer friendly for somebody that doesn't understand the scoreboard. Because I'm with you on that, like when they used to have like the live scoreboards and they wouldn't live stream, like that was almost like if you know weightlifting yeah it's pretty fun to just watch the live scoreboard because like you can conf- do a game yeah you know more about what's happening by watching the scoreboard than you do by watching the lifts you know watching the competition without the scoreboard now if you can watch both that would be ideal I wish that because uh, they used to do that they used to just have that live scoreboard up and you could just go to like scoreboard.iwf.net or something and you could watch them in international meets um especially they when they have like terrible signal in Kazakhstan and that's <laughs> yeah. the only way you could like watch the results
1: yeah i for for the lifters complaining about it which me i i'm not complaining about it from a lifting point like honestly I think I'm going to have fun with it as a lifter, but I don't I don't think it's going to change how I'm going to lift in the warm-up room. I don't think it's going to change how I'm going to lift on the platform. It doesn't affect any of that, at least for me, I don't think it will. Um, but watching, I think it's going to be a bunch of chaos.
0: Mm, I don't know. I don't know. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens after this weekend. I feel like there's a lot more interesting strategies that you could do like athlete to athlete, which is not every athlete does well with that. What do you mean? But like, like that whole thing with like Kianush and, um, uh, yeah, like mess up. There's definitely some stuff that you can do. Okay. So let me, let me put it this way. Um, 2013 skating, uh, roller skate rank, uh, nationals. It was set up like that where the platforms were on the side of nationals. And uh, I actually talked about this at the gym last night and uh, about a certain individual. And then it actually came up as a meme like, oh, people haven't seen this since 2013 nationals. Um, But that was the first nationals that uh, Jerilee Vega competed for um, the United States at the national championships. And she's warming up back there. And when she would uh, like do every rep, she would let out a loud scream and it would just echo in that skating rink. And like you're on the other side of the whole venue and you like hear, and you're like, oh, what's going on? And like she got in everyone's head in that session and just like destroyed them. Um, Of course, she could lift way more than them because she was just coming off of being a 2012 Olympian for Puerto Rico and – um. Was I don't I don't remember what she hit, but she was pretty strong, you know. She broke American records in the snatch, clean and jerk, and total at that meet. So, you know, obviously nobody was going to beat her, but she was playing that mental game too. And so I feel like there could be a little bit more of like, well, we'll have to see like how it like shakes out. But the next time they have that, if they have it again, there might be some more development of like strategies and you know, athlete to athlete crap.
2: Yeah. As I was gonna say, it's going to be more like every other sport now. to where like, um, you have to be good at your skill and then have to be able to manage your mentality as well throughout it. Cause like you play football or baseball or basketball or anything like that. Like anytime you're on the field, there's other players like trying to get in your head to like mess up your play to throw off your rhythm. And it could be the same thing, like, especially with a crowd right there, like chanting or something in the right behind you while you're warming up. Like you never know.
0: Yeah. So when you go to international meets, it's the Iranian crowd. They are <laughs> chanting, and they are violent, and they are like rowdy. Um, so, I mean, that's something that you're going to have to get used to at an international meet uh, for sure. So, yeah, I don't know. It, there could be some cool value to it. They're, uh, it. Yeah, it is weird that they're just springing it on us like a week before but good athletes will adapt and overcome even if it's not advantageous for them. Um, Or you could just uh, lie to yourself and tell yourself it's advantageous for you and uh, take control of other people's, uh, you know, take advantage of other people's lack of uh, flexibility in their, uh, or like how rigid they are in their, in their
1: plan. Yeah. I mean, it's, George for you it, or when you first saw this
2: what positives did you see for you as an individual for me as an individual I didn't really weigh out the pros or cons honestly I just looked at it and was like okay this is what I have to do now but my mentality is a little bit different though just because of like my prior experiences like in the military and stuff you never know what you're going to do until like the day of or like an hour before literally like I remember doing missions and like, it'll be 30 minutes before the mission and it will be a change. You'll be in the middle of mission and they'll be like change. You literally be like about to end the mission. And the next thing you know, you got six more hours of like change. So I'm at the point now where it's just kind of like, okay, let me know what I need to do and I'll just do it. So I'm a, it's a little bit different for me. That That's a good mentality. I think
1: I, I did think first, I, I don't like it. I didn't like it. And then I thought I could have some fun with this though. <laughs> <laughs> this this could be kind of fun. Yeah, I wouldn't pick it. This is not the format. This is not the layout that I would pick. But since this is what we're given, I might be able to have some fun with this.
2: So, what's your plan? let oh. here to elaborate a little bit. No, don't don't tell everybody. Your yeah, plan. Your yeah. Competition's oh.
1: gonna listen to this podcast, right? You, you're in group message. Everybody in the D session better be worried because I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh I wonder if they're gonna have to like well, no, I'm not even getting into that. Um into this. Yeah, we're gonna see how it plays out because the kids are going first. So we're gonna see all the kids go and then yeah, we're we're gonna be able to see all the younger people go well, the week before us. So we'll have an idea well, the days before us, so we'll have an idea of how it's gonna go. But it will be. You saw what I sent in the group message, George. That's it's it's gonna be fun.
2: Yeah, it is gonna be pretty interesting. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of
0: like half the people in weightlifting are excited about it and half the people are like, oh, this is the dumbest thing. Um, so it, it kind of makes it exciting in a way that going into nationals and it's just something new. They're taking a gamble because they're in Vegas. It's got to be it. <laughs> um, so what did you send in uh, in the group? Tyree. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You you're going to be working the crowd, and you're going to be talking crap. All right. I did get you it. notice? I, did you notice who it was? I did not. Go back and look at who uh, who it was. Oh, was that MG MGK Machine nope. Gun Kelly? Young Gravy. Oh really? Oh God. <laughs> you trying to be the Young Gravy of weightlifting? Hey, All right, that's it. Uh- What's
1: so about to I, happen? Just I, I do.
0: <laughs> I only know what his music sounds like. I don't actually know what he looks like. Um, so you yeah, know, I mean, uh, really it is young gravy is like this guy, and he sings these terrible rap songs about like <laughs> lichen milfs and stuff. Yeah, um, it
1: was supposed to be a team trip a few years ago. We, it, it didn't work out, <laughs> but well, of you, you guys Charlotte. went. Yeah, it was yeah. like it was like three of us. The, the rest of the team should have went, but it was okay. It was like. Okay.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so it's uh, Tyree thinks he's going to uh, start uh, flirting with everybody's mom when they come and watch their kids in the weightlifting room. Or all all of your competitors, their moms are coming watching. And then Tyree's going to be like, hey, is that your mom? Yeah.
1: Hey, oh, yeah. I'm going to treat you like a local meet. You saw me at the last local meet winking at people in the warm up room. Like, yeah, it's, it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. This will be fun.
0: Yeah, so uh, that whole new level of strategy that can go into these competitions. All right, it'll be fun to watch it. So in other weightlifting news, um, Tyree has a new knee,
1: Mm. and he feels amazing. It's incredible. It's the simple things. Literally, like putting on my socks doesn't bother me. That's amazing. My warm-up? so much faster now because i don't have to fight with my knee for the first 15 minutes i've been trying to get it to move it is it is amazing
0: yeah so you got a cortisone shot in the knee mm-hmm. um and you're feeling great you've gotten all these doctors to check you out and it's you know nothing structurally wrong um yeah so hopefully this cortisone shot will just keep you uh keep you feeling good. And then when you come back, you can just get all of those supporting muscles really strong around the knee. And you could be able to do split squats and get your adductors even stronger, be able to squat deeper and get your adductors stronger and all that and <laughs> your VMOs. So that'll be an interesting thing to see, uh, how long that lasts too.
1: Like after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. That was another thing. Um, I mean, it's person to person, how long it's going to last. So that's, I, I am curious to see how long it's going to last.
0: Yeah, and then you got it, the right amount of time out from a competition. What was it like? Uh, yeah. Was it ten days? You could get. Yeah, a-
1: I got it. I got it like twelve days just to be even safer. It said ten days, and I got it twelve days out. Nice. And it, it feels. The first day, I was like, ah, it was a little better, just a little better, which was already good I'm like all right this is good if this is it it's okay the next day I could bend it and it wasn't bothering me I couldn't bend it all the way but I could bend it significantly more and that was pretty good and then four days after that I just I was feeling nothing I was feeling nothing getting underneath the snatch feels completely different because it there's which I guess it was good for a point because I always had to exaggerate high pointing the bar because I just couldn't get to the bottom. And now I just feel like I'm sinking forever under a bar, which is, I'm going to get my balance back again, but it, it's a good feeling. It just feels like there's so much room underneath every bar to go. It doesn't feel like I'm trying to squeeze through the bar in the ground anymore.
0: Yeah. Well, that's an interesting, uh, a way to describe it: squeezing through the bar in the ground, like a wedge.
1: Yeah. yeah. Ideally, that's not how it should feel. Um, yeah. So, it's significantly, it's significantly better. Like even my empty barbell warm up felt completely different. I just felt like I could, like there was just room underneath the bar, which it didn't feel like that before. So, if I could snatch. If I could snatch well with bad circumstances, I should be good now. We'll be good. Nice. Um, thinking about yeah. how I am was broken slash am not anymore, and how George and I are different. Um, our tapers are a little different, right? Um, did you? cause George and I have been doing the same thing for weeks. I mean, he's doing two days, but our, our stuff has been about the same. Um, did you change our taper because of, we didn't know how the knee was going to respond or did you change our taper because we're different athletes and we're just different? Uh,
0: well, two days is significantly different than what you've been doing is one a days. I mean that, uh, that alone is a big difference. Um, but yeah, a little bit of both.
1: Um, the let's see. Let me let me even pull them up. I think it was Monday was the first day when I was like because I knew it was going to come. I, I knew our taper was going to be different. But Monday was the day when I was like, oh, there it goes. That was different. I'm not doing that, George. You can have that. I'm not. Nope. Tyree, you got to start the two days. Come on. <laughs> I I don't have time to do two days right now. You have I would. Hey, I'm coaching high school kids all day. I would if I could.
2: You have time. Just get rid of the lifesavers every night and then go to bed a little bit earlier. You'll be able to wake up a little bit earlier. Ooh! And instead of eating or- lifesavers
1: now, I'm taking all my vitamins as gummies.
2: So, you know, balance. Or I'll do what away. you told me before. Remember you said you like to stay up late because there's all those hours that you can do extra work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I can
1: find a way. That is fair. I can find a way. I think Monday it was like the snatch percentages. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not working up that heavy. And I figured you would keep going heavier than I would these last couple of weeks. And I just wondered when it was going to when it was going to be and what exactly James thought about when he decided to make that different. Yeah, so pretty much, Tyree,
0: yours is uh like, you don't have as much heavy days. You don't have that heavy day going into it. Um, and that was mostly for the knee. Um, and also, I don't think you need to hit heavy weights kind of leading up into a competition as early as, uh, as most people. Um, just because you kind of thrive on that competition type experience. So, you know, like we, with your knee bothering you, we, uh, we had the flexibility to not hit as heavy lifts kind of leading up to the competition. And then, uh, George's main difference is just the adjustment of, uh, of training volume going from like two days down to like singles. Um, and I think that's going to be the big player there. And also you guys lift what two days apart, you know, is on Wednesday and you're on Friday. Ah, uh, that's right. So, I did
1: forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was wondering what you took. It's because the, the first time I noticed it was on the snatch percentages and we snatched the same. Granted, I had expected it to change because I know I normally don't go as heavy as most people do the last month. I, I just I normally don't go as heavy as most people do and I'm perfectly fine with that. So when I saw it on my knee, I'm like, ah, there it is. That's the difference. And I was just wondering, was this because of the knee? Was it because I just don't normally need it? why did you think it was beneficial for George versus me? Like that's, I was just curious.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, um, but yeah, like I was saying, George's taper is more geared towards like the change in volume. Um, and you know, George can hit heavier weights closer to competition. Um, and I think he'll recover, especially with the drop in like, not two a days um i think he's going to be feeling fresh still going heavier because what do we do it's um seven eight nine nine days out we had that heavy snatch which is about right um sometimes they'll go up to 11 but
1: um as as we talk about george right in front of him do you think it all it's also because his absolute strength is just higher than mine
0: Hmm. Oh, all right. All right. You're trying to increase your absolute strength on this podcast. That <laughs> rain. Yeah, rain. That's right. Um,
2: I was going to say, Tyree, how are you going to switch to rain after I showed you a case of bang yesterday? I'm disappointed.
1: I, I was already at Sam's Club. We, we got this a few days ago, so I'd already
2: gotten that packet Sam's Club. And then question for you, Tyree. Mm -hmm. Are you implying that the absolute strength difference would increase recovery time? Um, So I, I do think it'll help a little bit.
1: I mean, I think I'll use Wes, who's one of the lifters here at West Virginia. I squat 30 kilos more than him. I deadlift like 40 kilos more than him. So if both of us go into the gym and snatch 85 kilos... I think it's going to be a little more taxing on him than it would be on me, just because that is so far away from my absolute strength and what I'm used to exerting on a heavy day. So you're stronger than I am. So even if we snatched the same thing in a day, I think you're you would recover a little faster than I would. Plus, now you're going from two a days to one a day, so you're used to having more volume than I am. But So I see what you're saying,
0: but the comparison, like comparing that in between two different individuals, I don't think that works because there's too many other factors. I think that works if you're comparing against your former weaker self, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So like all of a sudden your back squat goes up 20 kilos and your work capacity goes up with it, then 85 kilos snatch, from when your back squat was weaker to an 85 kilo snatch now with a 20 kilo increase in your squat, that would be something that would be, uh, like you can compare to like now that's less stress on you because you are stronger, but when you're, it doesn't quite work because even if so, if somebody's stronger than you, it doesn't mean that they have more work capacity or, um, that they're, body proportions are advantageous for snatching or if they just have terrible technique in the snatch, it's going to take more of a toll on them than if you have very efficient because then that'll be an easier snatch. You'll exert less energy to snatch a higher percentage. Um, So, and those are just a few of the first things that come off the top of my head, but like comparing your own training volume, I think that would be something valuable to take into consideration. Like if you did like an LSUS phase and you just got really strong and then you went back to, uh, you know, more of a weightlifting phase, um, you might find that, you know, certain things are a little bit easier to, uh, you know, to handle that volume. And then you might need to make some changes. Or you can add in more volume with that extra buffer of strength. More reps of snatch and clean and jerk that you can handle now, and that means that you can do more things that you can recover from, more practice, and then uh, more PRs,
1: and that's the goal. Good point. All right, I can see how that's I can see how that's different. Yeah,
0: and it's yeah, it's just such a small little thing, but I just think that having the, the, the comparing athlete to athlete part is, you know, it can be interesting just because it it gives a good example of like how things can be so different, especially between the two of you. But then sometimes like comparing like athlete to athlete, you kind of, it doesn't quite match up. And that's where it's important, like not to compare yourself with like other athletes
2: on Instagram and things like that. Um, so what do you guys think about the velocity based training that they've been doing at saw camps? Do you think they're trying to build like a um I would say almost like a system that can like fit future weightlifters in the different categories based off of the results that they get off of these different athletes and different weight classes and
1: um uh, did you see when British weightlifting did this years ago? No, British I weightlifting did all of this stuff and did iso pull And all of that with their female lifters and it was the good ones it's the ones that we know the the top lifters they were doing this like six years ago and they would do it every year or it was like every six months and they tracked them for years and they tracked them over i think it was over two quads and then kind of like what james said looking at your weaker self is better they could see that as their iso pull increased their total increased instead of saying, Oh, well that person did this and that person did that. So if we get somebody else to do that, they looked at it as individual versus themselves across years. And then they could find the trend with that lifter. So I think USAW Mm -hmm. is trying to do something like that.
2: Yeah. But then if you look at like the athletes that are winning, they're not doing any of this.
1: Oh yeah. But you got to start, you got to start at some point. To see if it's beneficial, yeah. I yeah. think data collection is definitely
0: valuable. Um, whether that leads to something significant or not, I don't know yet. But I think I'm definitely for you know collecting data, especially if somebody's organized, which it seems like that USAW coaching staff is pretty organized. Um, you know, even if the velocity based stuff like comes out and it's just like oh, this didn't really make that big of a difference, you know, it's still data that. You know, okay, now we don't have to focus on that. We can focus on, I don't know, maybe they'll focus
1: on that isometric pulls or something like that. Um, When looking at it for a big team or just even how they're doing it with different individuals, I think it's interesting. I think it's very interesting to see. But I don't know how much it's going to help with that individual lifter, especially if you're not looking at it over multiple years. So if we look at what Hampton was there we look at hampton now and then we look at him again test him every year until he's 25 then we'll have a pretty good idea of the type of changes that he would need to make but we can't look at what hampton did find another 67 kilo lifter and say well if you can mimic these numbers
2: then you'll have his type of performance yeah but with getting all this data would you wouldn't you necessarily need to continue to try to use like velocity based training in your own training cuz if you look at, like, I don't really know that many clubs, maybe like two weightlifting clubs that actually use velocity based training. And then the other clubs that have athletes winning aren't going off of velocity based training.
1: Well, you're not necessarily going to use it in your everyday training. It's also like, it lets you know where you're at. It but lets how do you know how
2: accurate the data is then. Because well, you retest. Not-
1: you continue to retest, but you don't need to test it every day. So we did you it with be the able weightlifting. You test team at least left. like a
2: week, though, right? like at least weekly no, in order for it to tough. uh
1: at west virginia you
2: know, I, my, my point is that different phases of training different levels mm-hmm. of fatigue how mm-hmm. are you going to be able to actually manage this data accurately to know okay i'm pushing it too hard i need to come back or i could make faster progress unless you're doing it like weekly or month like almost monthly in a sense like each training phase You are aware that you're in
1: different phases. You are aware that you're in different phases, and you'll think about that when you decide to test. So we tested at the beginning of the year, um, and we're going to test again. I, I don't remember when he said, but we are going to test again, but you're not going to test them in different phases of training. So since I'm on a different program than all of them, when we did my stuff and I tested terribly, the first thing at least two of them said was, well, look at what type of, Look at what phase you're in right now. So it kind of makes sense why your numbers were this compared to that. So that is something that you take into account. And when you're looking at it over a span of 10 years, if you test them every January over 10 years, that's enough for you to see what's happening. And then you also have to take into account what phase they're in. So you're not going to test them in different phases.
2: Yeah, but isn't 10 years a little too late at that point? Because you're already done.
1: British weightlifting did it over two decades or over two quads. Now, that's what I mean. Like it, it, if you're but testing too often, it's not going to be that effective.
2: Nothing or against it's not British weightlifting, be, it's but look at the athletes that are hitting podiums. Like maybe if British weightlifting would have monitored it a little bit closer and did it more frequently, they would have had better shots at metal placements.
1: Okay. So how frequently would you have tested?
2: Maybe each deal, like maybe the start of each load week. Um, so you can see how your fatigue levels are. Or for each phase to see like, is this phase optimal or is this too much volume, not enough volume, just to try to speed up the progress as much as possible. But even if you did
1: that, you're going to have so much up and down that you're still going to have to zoom out to see how it's trending. So instead of 10 years, you're already through. I mean, 10 years is a lot. I I definitely said 10 years. They could do it. They could do it twice a year for five years. So I see what you're saying, George,
0: like more data points is always better. But the problem is, is that they don't know, like, how do we know that, uh, like making decisions on those data too early when we don't really know the full consequences of it. So like getting the data I think is good, but making decisions on it just quite yet. Um, I think that would be kind of where the problem would come in. So like, still, if you got to, if you got the data, let's just say every three months, at the end of let's just say if you program in like three month cycles or if you got the data, you know, at the time of the program where it makes the most sense, even if it is 10 years, you'll have like that general, you know, that general idea. But I think you probably could get that data probably, I don't know, if an athlete peaks three times a year, you could probably get that data at least three
1: times a year. Yeah. I three, I don't, I don't think think I think I just
2: probably don't know enough about velocity based training then because um it's just kind of confusing to a sense because there's like there's certain clubs that use it for every single thing. Like they use it every day. And I feel like at that point, collecting the data is probably very useful. But I think that's
0: yeah. So that's different. Like
2: for the athletes that are only getting the data like once a year. I kind of think that is it really as useful as.
1: You're talking about velocity training kind of like how MASH is doing it versus what USAW did up in Marquette. Those are a little different. So MASH is looking at that and looking at a certain speed he wants the bar to move and adjusting based off of how the athlete's moving. We versus USA Weightlifting, and what they did was they wanted to see where the lifters were and what they tested at so that in the future they can look back and say, well, when you were snatching 161, This was the type of power output you had. This was what your vertical was. This is how it was. Now, five years later, you're snatching 170. What trend do we see? Did all of those go up? Did they not? And then you can use that for that same lifter. say, okay, well, now we see the correlation is when you added nine kilos, when you added this and this, your snatch went up nine kilos. Let's see what else we can do to
2: also make your snatch go up nine kilos.
1: So using it for daily training and weekly training is a little different than getting markers.
2: Yeah, but I think two five years though—that's just ridiculous. Almost, if you're really putting like, the, yeah, but you're putting the pedal to the metal, and you're in your prime. Five years could be a little too long. Like, how long were you in your prime, honestly, James? Like to where you are getting metal placements and going to the world? It's like winning.
0: Yeah. Well, I will say that one thing: um, some data is better than no data. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, prime. Um, uh, so I hit a prime before kids and then I hit a prime after kids. So split that up. <laughs> you probably got like, you know, four years. Um, but yeah, I see what you're meaning. Cause like Tyree, what you're talking about is more of like academic and observation, which I guess is different. I mean, that's like tracking velocity, but it's not velocity based training. Velocity based training is kind of what you're talking about. So I guess we should almost distinguish those into two separate, You know things because like velocity based training is like oh you have to do eight sets of one with this velocity on the snatch
1: right that's what mash was doing or and what spencer Arnold did for a little bit that's a little different yeah and I, i i've messed around with that some um
0: with really with one athlete um But we still like, even, even that person, just some of the inconsistencies in their own training, we haven't been able to to even get a full velocity profile for that person. And it's kind of a pain to like, you know, make that whole velocity profile because it's like a, a constantly changing thing. And this person just has other things in life that came up that, you know, just made it you know, not applicable or it's not a convenient to do velocity based training with them just because there was too many other factors. Um, but if you're doing velocity based training, you just got to make sure you get the, you know, get a lot of data, get a good velocity profile and all that stuff. And that, like what you're saying is what you could use like every, you know, three times a week, George, um, kind of a lot more of along the lines of what, uh, you know, Fleming describes in his book. Um, which I've read his book and I've been trying to like follow his velocity based training thing. And um, I don't know if it quite, I don't know. There's a few changes that I'd make, but I'm still kind of messing around with it myself. So
1: we'll see. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I view those two different. If we're looking at velocity based training, I don't know enough to say whether I think it's great or not. There are good teams doing it. There are good teams that aren't doing it, but I do think this is more like data collection. What USA. Yeah. This,
2: that's what I was trying to say at the beginning was basically like, are they trying to get data to place athletes in the future within certain categories or predict their outcomes? Because I, I, if you're, if you're taking that over five or 10 years, the athlete can only get so much better after they've been lifting for five years or 10 years compared to an athlete who hasn't been lifting at all. Um, Look look at the athletes
1: who they tested though. They tested Nate Dameron, who's been around for 10 years. They tested Kane, right? They tested Kane, who's been around since George Bush days. Like uh, they, all of these (laughs) athletes who they've had, who who they actually, not all of them, but a lot of the athletes who they actually tested have been around for a long time. So, I mean, even Hampton's been around for – he's been relevant for four years, and the kid doesn't have a driver's license yet. So five years is a lot when we're looking at lifters in their peak. But don't forget, before they peaked, they had five, six years worth of good training.
2: Yeah, but did they get data during those five or six years?
1: That's why we need to start now.
2: But that's what I'm saying. So are they trying to make athlete types, essentially? I, the reason I
1: and I, I'm I'm thinking based off of the one time that I did that same stuff, I wouldn't use it for trying to find athlete types or place athletes in that because I seeing how ours turned out, the two best weightlifters on the team had the worst pulls. So yeah. knowing that, like you can't use that to say like, oh well, if we get a lifter that pulls this then they're going to be really good because the two best weight and like best weight, best weightlifters by far, the guys, the top two pullers were clean and jerking like 45 kilos less than me, 40 kilos less than me. Like uh, there was no, there was no question which weightlifter was better, but they pulled way better. So I don't think that you would use that based off of, or trying to find athletes or place them in the future. I think that goes back to what James was saying before when he said, looking at your weaker self and looking at your, Looking at how you've developed, I think that is when it comes into play. Not so much trying to get athletes to mimic somebody else's pull performance or jump performance.
0: Yeah. So also think of this. So you know you get like the scientific method. You know you got a hypothesis and then you test your hypothesis and then you look at the results. Um. So maybe they have their hypothesis, but you can't be like so rigid in your hypothesis, like to think that that's right. Like if they're trying to make athlete types and they're just so stuck on that, um, really, I mean, they just they might have an idea and they think that maybe they're going to be doing these athlete types, like you're saying, with this data. But they can't actually know how that data is going to be useful until they collect it, until they say, like, oh, here we've got this data. Look at this other trend. You know, once they start doing their statistical analysis on it, you know, they might find some other information in there that might be good, or they might find that. Velocity-based training does not indicate, you know, athlete types or something like that. Um, so either way, I mean, what they end up finding, I think just data collection is good. Um, and they almost have to look at it from a, from just a statistical standpoint instead of being too stuck on proving exactly what they wanted to be
1: proved right. Yeah,
2: I, it, yeah, I, I think, think it's what...
1: interesting and I am – I am interested to see how I'm going to test again. Not comparing mine to everybody else because, you know, I'm in dead last. So if I move up three spots, cool. But I want to see the difference between what I pulled then versus what I pulled next time. And see what what differences I have in my weightlifting performance. Not that I'm thinking, hey, if I can get to the top of this pack, my weightlifting performance will go up. I don't I don't think that at all i think if i improve some i'd be interested to see how many kilos i added but it's i am interested to see the next time i test
2: i guess that's what i was trying to like think about is like the value of it now but realistically it's probably just for the future like maybe i don't know
1: yeah they could have used younger athletes well i mean I think uh, what's her um, Mariah Park, she made one international team. So that's a good point to start testing her. She's made one international team. She's newer. I'm not saying she's a new athlete, but she made her first international team this past year. They're starting to test her. They're testing Hampton, who's barely finished puberty. Good point to start testing him. Uh, who else was there? Yeah, I do
0: think that you have a point on that, though, George. I don't think it's necessarily for the sake of those athletes. That's going to be like the next generation of weightlifters that will probably get the most benefit out of that data, you know, almost regardless of what you're looking at.
2: Yeah. yeah. The, that's what I was trying to think about was like, not that it's wrong or not that it's right. I was just trying to like think about, or maybe see what you guys thought about like the actual process of what they were doing.
1: I, I viewed these guys as a test run. I think these guys are probably just a test run, like to see what they can get from them, see who, what type of correlations they can draw over these guys. Some of them last few years, other people in the middle of their prime, see what information they can get from it And then, yeah, they can use on the next group and say, well, we saw with Nate Damron 10 years ago that as his vertical jump and pull from floor increased, his snatch went up at whatever percentage. So they might look back and say that now they're not going to try to find athletes that are making those same jumps, but they might say all right, let's see what we can do with you and we know that there is some type of correlation with this.
0: Yep. That'll be cool to watch that development. Hopefully weightlifting will be an Olympic sport with platforms on the side, <laughs> warm-up platforms on the side and People yelling and throwing beer cans into the warm up (laughs) room. That'll be really exciting.
1: If I hit a PR, some oh no, uh, probably not. Oh no, if I hit a PR, somebody's throwing a bang. Throw a bang over there
2: and I'm gonna shotgun the bang right then. Hold on. They want us spectator friendly. We gotta have concession stands now.
1: Ooh, good idea. Good idea.
2: Concession stands.
1: Concession stands. I mean
2: how how are you gonna mm. have hungry guest?
1: Honestly, I want signs. Bars. I want signs with faces in the back. Let's make this a full blown thing. If we're gonna do it, let's go all out.
2: Popcorn, Miller Lite, hot dogs, nachos. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. You guys want to make USAW profitable? <laughs> get your uh, get your toes in there. You know, do the concessions. Start selling beer for eleven dollars It hey, six ounces. Um, yeah. Maybe take take that lesson from football or uh, the other (laughs) sports that sell those crazy amounts. Hey, I've Um, seen
1: more people at Barbells and Brews than some of these uh, national comps. So, yeah, there are more people at Barbells and Brews than I saw in the crowd at AO Finals. So, hey, uh, let's get beer out there. Yeah, so speaking of uh, Barbells and Brews, it's not uh,
0: Barbells and Brews. It's Southeastern Weightlifting Championships. It's going to be in Charlotte at Sugar Creek Brewing. I don't remember the date, but, you know, a couple months, September, October, something like that. Um, that'll be a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, Travis is running that one. So the same, he runs barbells and brews and just trying this out, kind of opening it up, maybe get some more like, um, you know, Florida, Georgia, um, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, maybe some Tennessee, uh, people all to come and compete in it. I like, it. um, yeah, I like that idea. I think uh, I think it would be cool to see that grow because he said next year he might have it down in Florida. Um, I like the idea of like stepping stone meets from like a local meet like just in like um, like if we had a local meet in household weightlifting. It's kind of small scale. You know, it's not that big. And then like the next stepping stone up would be like a state championships or maybe even this like a southeastern state championships or southeastern championships. And then from there, American Open Series and um, then American Open Finals, then Nationals.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, I think there was a lot of good information on this podcast. Man. I think it's a, a good time to wrap this one up. Um, so George, where can people find you?
2: Uh, George 81 KG on Instagram. or at the House will Lift Lifting page.
1: And Tyree... Uh, Well, if James didn't say this to you in person, it's Tyree underscore Thor. Uh, Not
0: Tyree underscore weightlifting Uh, (laughs) like the last time. All right. And you can check us out at www.houseofweightlifting.com. Thanks for listening.